Welcome to the Calvary Assembly podcast with weekly messages from Calvary Assembly of God Church in Lexington, Nebraska. You can find out more online at lexag.org and on Facebook at Calvary Assembly Lex. Thanks for listening. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to move to the book of Proverbs in the Old Testament. So we started a series a couple weeks ago called Selfless. And we, uh, there's a church that makes graphics available for those um, churches that don't have full-time staff to do that. So we thank you, these guys. So they made this graphic called Selfless. And I was asked, what in the world is that graphic? It's, you know, it says selfish. They're tearing the page off and making it selfless. Um, so if you had to kind of look at it. Um, but so we've been talking about how in the new year to be less selfish and more selfless. And so the first week we, we talked about how John the Baptist said, Jesus needs to increase and I need to decrease. So we talked about following God's plans instead of our own, right? And then last week we said one way we can be more selfless is to be more involved, to be um, generous with our time, to serve others. Today we're going to talk about being less selfish through generosity. (laughs) Now, how many of you would ever say that you struggle with generosity just a little bit? My hand's up. What's our natural inclination to be about me, right? And so as I was preparing for this, a guy cited an article, and I had to go back and read it. It was in The Guardian. It's an online magazine. I think it's actually a print magazine too, but it was a couple years ago. This author took a bunch of studies about selfishness and kind of collapsed them all together. It was really interesting, and it was called like the science behind selfishness or something. But they said, you know, they, they studied all these different people, and They asked a bunch of people, if you have a choice of seats on the airplane, you know, there's a window seat, a middle seat, and an aisle seat, which do you normally take? You know what everyone said? The aisle or the window? You know who likes the middle seat? No one. I'm pretty sure the middle seat is the gateway to hell, I think is kind of what that is. That's like a precursor to what it's like in Hades, getting bumped from both sides and people falling asleep and drooling on your shoulder and all those things. But they said most of them like the window seat. You know, if I get the opportunity, I'm going to sit there so I can see the things coming at the airplane. You know, the geese coming at us and all that, right? And so they said, you know, if you take that seat, you're, you're kind of selfish. They looked at kids. Do you have to teach two-year-olds how to be selfish? No. What do you have to teach them? How to share. You know, what are the first words kids say? No and mine, usually, right? And, and you learn real quickly. They said men are actually more selfish than women. I was shocked. No, I wasn't. <laughs> All the ladies are like, nope. <laughs> and here's a funny thing. They said men who are in better shape are typically more selfish than men who are not. That kind of blew me away. So ladies, if you're looking for a good husband, find one who's not in shape and who doesn't like the window seat, I guess is what it is, is what they're saying. It's statistically the case. Now, ladies, <laughs> this was not a shock. They said ladies are more selfish when it comes to chocolate. <laughs> I kid you not. There was a study, and they gave ladies two, like, pieces of chocolate cake, and they said, which one would you keep and which one would you give away? What do they always do? Every woman for themselves, a bigger cake comes to me. I think some probably didn't give either. They ate both, I think. But they said ladies are more apt to be selfish with that. So we understand that we have a natural inclination. We call it the sinful nature, right? That's all about me. And as we grow in Christ, Jesus keeps bumping off pieces of that selfish nature. But we have to be intentional about it as well. And so one of the things we don't talk about very much 
in church is giving, is being generous. Because what do people always say when you invite them to church? That church just wants my money. We hear it all the time. I still hear it. People, we invite them to church. And, oh, I don't know. They're always talking about giving. Like once a year, maybe we talk about giving. But, you know, it's, they end up here on that one day, I guess. So we're going to talk today about being generous, not just with our money, but with our time. But we're going to talk more specifically today about money. And in Proverbs chapter 21, verse 26, this is Solomon. Now, does Solomon know about finances? Absolutely. He was one of the richest kings ever, one of the wisest king ever. But he says this, some people are always greedy for more, but the godly love to what? Give. He said, godly people love to give. And so we're going to talk about a couple different mindsets. Now, when we talk about giving, um, you know, in the Old Testament, God established a, a system called the tithe. And the tithe was 10%. You gave 10% of your crops or your gain or your increase to the temple, to the church, to care for the needs of the temple and the church. Then you also gave a thing called offerings that were over and above that. And that went to like missions. So today, when we talk about tithing, it's that first 10% goes to the church to do what? All this stuff, right? Take care of the building, the insurance. We, we just got a thing from our insurance company. They said, hey, uh, your, your property value went up. They said this church building and the parsonage and the garage is worth $2.6 million now in today's economy. I said, well, write me a check today and you can have it. Like, we'll, we'll go find somewhere else. But our premiums are going up like $3,000 a year is what they want. It's crazy. So that's what ties and ties, you know, takes care of that stuff. It takes care of the, the electricity, the heat, the plumbing. You know, people are always like, it's cold in here. It's because we're trying to be good stewards, right? Cuddle with somebody. Um, no, if you're married, do that. Um, sorry. Some days I struggle with ADD more than others. Today is one of those more, right? So, I'm sorry. All right. So we're going to talk about giving. And then offerings are what we give above and beyond. So like our Hot Wheels project, our missions giving, those kind of things are offerings. So we're going to talk about some mindsets. Now, some of us grew up without a lot, right? There are some of us in this room who grew up in homes that didn't have as much. Some grew up with more. People who, who grew up with less sometimes have a mindset that I have to what? I need to hold on to things, right? Some people who grew up with more have this mindset of I need to hold on to things. Some people who grew up with less are very generous. Some people who grew up with a lot are very generous. So it's all that different. But we're going to talk about a couple different mindsets when it comes to being generous. And the first one I want to talk about is the scarcity mindset. A lot of us have this scarcity mindset that says, if I give, there's less for me, right? So a lot of us live with this scarcity mindset. And in the book of Haggai, in the Old Testament, he was a prophet. And Haggai was talking to the Israelites when they were coming back from exile. And so they came back and the temple had been destroyed. And what was the first thing the people did? They built homes, right? Because they wanted to have a place to live. And in Haggai chapter one, verse three, it says, the Lord sent this message through the prophet Haggai. Why are you living in luxurious homes while my house, the temple, lies in ruins? This is what the Lord of heaven's army says. Look at what's happening to you. You planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but you're not satisfied. You drink, but you're still thirsty. You put on clothes, but you can't keep warm. Your wages disappear as though you're putting them in pockets filled with holes. Have you ever felt that way with your finances? It's like I get it and it's gone. And there's never enough left. 
And so some of us live that way because we're not putting God first in our finances. And he said, this is what was happening to the people of Israel. He said, you, you've neglected God's house to focus on yourselves. And because of that, you're not being blessed. So we have this idea that the more I give, the less there will be for me. But in God's kingdom, that's not really how it works. In God's kingdom, when we put him first, he blesses the rest. And many of us have seen that in our own lives. We say, man, God has been so good to me. It's amazing how when I give that 10% to him, the other 90 kind of multiplies, right? But this is why a lot of Americans don't tithe. Um, we feel like if we give that first 10%, then there's not enough left over for us. But it's that upside down thing. And some of us live with this defeatist mindset. We feel like we're never going to get ahead. We feel like nothing is ever going to work, so we may as well just live the way we've always lived. But we forget that God is the one who really owns it all, right? And then sometimes we, we kind of get envious of others. We say, well, I work just as hard as that guy, but he's doing better than me. I've done just as much as that person, but they're doing better. How does that work? So we kind of have this defeatist thing. And guys, this mindset limits what God can do in us and through us. Because when we live focused on ourselves and keeping our, our finances for ourselves, our time for ourselves, our talents for ourselves, it is hard to get ahead. But God blesses those who are what? Generous. We have to live with an open hand. And guys, that's hard. That's hard for some of us to hold things loosely. And so some of us live this defeatist and some of us live with this self-centered mindset. In Mark 14, we see this incredible story where Jesus was in a house and this lady comes in and it didn't say a whole lot about her, but it said that, that she had a checkered past. Uh, most, most scholars believe she probably was a prostitute. But she brought this jar of incredibly expensive perfume. Now, a lot of people think this is probably her retirement plan. She could have sold this perfume and lived on the wages for the rest of her life. It was that expensive. But she came in and do you remember what she did in the story? In Mark 14, she broke it and poured it on Jesus' feet. And Judas got really upset. He said, what in the world? What's going on? This lady could have sold that, and we could have, we could have taken that and done tons with it. But it said she gave it all to Jesus. She poured it on him. And Jesus said she was doing a beautiful thing. But in Mark 14, verse 4, it says, some of those at the table were indignant. Why waste such expensive perfume, they asked. It could have been sold for a year's wages and the money given to the poor. So they scolded her harshly. But then Jesus said, no, leave her alone. She was doing something incredible for me. And so some of us kind of live with that mindset. Now, the problem was Judas was thinking about who? Judas, because Judas would help himself to what was in the offering bag a little bit, right? So he was thinking, man, I could have had a new sweater. I could have had a new, you know, I could have had some Beats headphones and all these things. Um, and guys, sometimes we feel like God is telling us to do something. The Lord told her to take that and anoint Jesus because Jesus said she's actually anointing me for my burial, for what's coming later. And guys, sometimes God nudges us to give towards something, right? I remember when I was, I was a teenager, I, was, I think I was 17 at the time, I'd just given my heart to the Lord, and I was going to church, and I worked two days a week in a nursing home in a kitchen. You talk about a glamorous job, that was not it, okay? But that's what I did, and I, was, I didn't have a whole lot of money. I was buying a car, and I was sitting in service, and my pastor was given this vision that we had to, to pay off the debt on the church building and get a new property because we were kind of outgrowing where we were at. And I was sitting in there, and I just started giving my tithes to the Lord. Like, I just started doing that, and I'm like, okay, I'm good. 
giving that 10%. And God started nudging me and said, I want you to give towards this project. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, I'm, I'm like having this conversation with God, you know, people are probably seeing me sit there like, but I was like, I'm already giving 10%. I can't anymore. Like, like I, I need another car to go to college. Like, you know, and I'm talking to God about this, right? Who knows everything. And he said, I want you to give towards this. So I sat there and I filled out that little thing. I think I actually put holes in the paper when I'm writing because I was so mad. And I started giving that. And you know what happened? I got a better job. Target actually showed up to my high school and said, hey, we want some of you guys to come work for us. God opened this door, so I was getting more hours, and it was a better job, and it was much less disgusting most of the time. And then I had enough that I could actually buy another car. God did all that because I was obedient. It was grudgingly obedient, but I was obedient. And that taught me a huge, huge lesson that you cannot outgive God. But I was living with this self-centered mindset, and God was trying to open that up. And so when we start doing that, it's amazing. So <clears throat> there was a, a couple of friends that went out hunting one day, and they paired off to go hunt. They were deer hunting. And that night, one of the hunters came back. He was by himself, and he was dragging this huge buck with him. And they said, well, where's Henry? Wasn't Henry with you? He's like, yeah, he had a stroke or something out there. And he's still out in the woods. I said, you left Henry and brought the deer? He said, well, nobody's going to steal Henry. <laughs> right. So, you know, sometimes we, we have to get our priorities straight. And it's so easy to let our priorities be here, right, instead of what God wants to do. So God wants us to get off of this, this scarcity mindset and into this provision mindset. The provision mindset says God will provide what I what? Need. So we move into this provision mindset. God's going to provide what I need. This is all about trusting that God is going to be my provider. I love this verse in Deuteronomy chapter 28. God is getting the people of Israel ready to go into the promised land. They've been slaves. He's getting ready to move into the promised land. God has given us abundant land. And he says this, If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully keep all his commands I'm giving you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the world. You'll experience all these blessings if you obey the Lord your God. Your towns and your fields will be blessed. Your children and your crops will be blessed. The offspring of your herds and flocks will be blessed. Your fruit baskets and breadboards will be blessed. Wherever you go, whatever you do, you will be blessed. He's saying, if you trust me, I'm going to provide what you need. If you trust me, I will take care of you. So the provision mindset, God says, God will provide what I need. And then the provision mindset says, when I give, God will provide. I love this passage in Luke chapter 6. I believe I put it on the screen here. Luke chapter 6. He says this. Jesus is talking. He says, give and you will what? Receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. Now listen to what he says. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. Now we don't really get this picture, right? Pressed down, shaken together. The Israelites did because they were an agricultural society. So in that day, grain was a huge crop. And you would hire people to go out and harvest your grain. They didn't have combines back then. So the harvesters would go out with a basket, and they would pick grain, and they'd drop it in their basket. Now, if you're carrying a basket by hand, you have to go all the way back to the barn and dump it. How full would you probably get it? Maybe three quarters, right? So it's not super heavy. You drudge back, dump it out, come back. But the poor people, the farmers were instructed to leave the corners of the field for the poor people and not to go back through a second time to, to glean it. So the poor people could come through and they could get what was left in the sides and they could also go through and glean what was left over. Now, if you were a poor person, you were making grain 
for your family, how full would you fill that basket? You'd be pressing it down, shake all the air bubbles out of it, right? Put more in, it'd probably run over. That was the picture Jesus gave. It's almost like, have you guys ever been to a 7-Eleven and had an actual slushie from 7-Eleven? They're incredible. I grew up with 7-Elevens. When we were in Arizona a few years ago on a missions trip, we came to a 7-Eleven and I almost killed them pulling in. And the church van, I'm like, you guys have got to experience a real Coke slushie from 7-Eleven. They're incredible. And they're like, we've had slushies. I'm like, no, you haven't. This is real. But how do you get a slushie or an icy? You take the cup, you put stuff in there, and then what do you do? You have to like kind of bang it down to get all the air bubbles out. Then you put that little clear dome lid on it, and you fill it all the way up till it kind of overflows, and then you can slurp the top. That's why it's called a Slurpee, right? I'm kidding. But you eat the rest while you go to the cash register to pay for it, right? You have to shake it down, press it down, have it running over a little bit. Jesus says when we give, when we're faithful to give, this is how his blessings come back to us. But he says the amount you give will determine how you receive. So in other words, you cannot outgive God. I cannot outgive God. Now, I'm not going to be one of these guys saying, if you give, God will give you 100 times back. If I found that in Scripture, I would beat that thing to death. But I don't. But I do say with the amount you give will determine how we receive. He does bless us with that. So that's what that provision mindset says. And the provision mindset says, I will put God first in my finances. There's this great story in 1 Kings chapter 17. When God told Elijah, go to this widow's house. There was, it's kind of a famine going on and a drought. It says, go to this, go to this widow's house and she's going to take care of you. So Elijah gets there and he says, hey, can you give me some water? And then could you, could you give me some bread? And she said, I, I don't have anything left. She says, we're gathering up some sticks. We're going to make one more fire with what we have. We're going to eat, and then we're going to die because we're going to starve to death, my son and I. And Elijah says, if you'll, if you'll feed me first, we'll take care of this. She says, I don't even have a single piece of bread left over. And Elijah said, don't be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you said, but make a little bread for me first. Then use what's left over to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. There will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time comes and the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. So she did as Elijah said, and she and Elijah and her family continued to eat for many days. There was always enough flour and olive oil left in her containers, just as the Lord had promised through Elijah. Now, this lady didn't know him from anybody. She was a poor widow. She had a kid, and she said, I'm out. I got nothing left. And he said, if you will give to me first, and then there will always be enough left for you. What did she have to do? She had to trust. And when she trusted, God kept providing and guys, when we give that tithe to the Lord that, that comes out first, God says he'll what? He'll provide, but he'll also bless when we do that. So that's this picture of she was taking care of God's needs first and then her own. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and the best part of everything you produce. Then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. So there's these amazing, and there's a couple other verses in there you can read where God says he will take care of us when we take care of his needs first. But then here's the thing. So we've moved from this scarcity mindset to saying, okay, I'm going to trust God to provide for me. But there's this other mindset that God wants us to move to, and it's the multiply mindset. Well, what does that mean? Guys, God doesn't want to just provide for us. He wants to use us. He wants to not just provide for our needs, but he wants to use us so that we can reach others with the good news. And that's what, that's what we do through our missions giving. That's what, like, this Hot Wheels project we're doing. I actually got to talk to Curtis for a while on Friday on the phone. 
I don't think I've ever heard Curtis this excited about something. I mean, he is just pumped up about this project. And so we've actually spread it out to the network and said, hey, other churches, if you want to help, you can give. And I know we've all, Christ Place has said their kids are going to give. Our kids are giving. Um, so there's some other things. But he wants to multiply this. And so <clears throat> we see that God can do more with our part than we can with the whole. So I want to read this whole story. It's found in John chapter 6. You can follow along if you'd like. John chapter 6, verse 1, it says, After this, Jesus crossed over to the far side of the Sea of Galilee, also known as the Sea of Tiberias. A huge crowd kept following him wherever he went because they saw his miraculous signs as he healed the sick. Then Jesus climbed a hill and he sat down with his disciples around him. It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration. Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he asked, where can we buy bread for all these people? He was testing Philip because he already knew what he was going to do. Philip said, well, even if we worked for months, we couldn't have enough money to feed them. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. There's a young boy over here with five barley loaves and two fish, but what good is that with this huge crowd? Tell everyone to sit down, Jesus said. So they all sat down on the grassy slopes. The men alone numbered about 5,000. So that meant there were probably a bunch of women and kids there as well. Um, then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God, and distributed them to the people. Afterwards, he did the same with the fish. They all ate as much as they wanted. After everyone was full, Jesus told the disciples, Now gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. So they picked up the pieces and filled 12 baskets with scraps left by the people who had eaten from the five barley loaves. What happened? This little boy gave Jesus what he had, and what did Jesus do? He multiplied it. But he didn't just multiply it. He multiplied it abundantly so that everyone ate until they were full, and then there were 12 baskets left. Now, why were there 12 baskets left? There were 12 disciples, right? It's probably a reminder. Look what I can do when you give what you have. And this doesn't just work with finances. This works with our, our talents and abilities, I love, I don't know if you saw Emily up here today. I'm going to embarrass her a little bit. Emily learned how to play the keyboard so she could play on the worship team. That's pretty cool. She said, I, I've got this talent. I'm going to try. She may have had a little nudging from her husband. I don't know. But uh, she was willing to get out there and do it. God can provide when we give our finances, when we give our talents and our abilities. And so here's the thing. This boy gave his little, you know, Long John Silver's lunch tray to the disciples. And Jesus multiplied it and reached this entire crowd. And they were able to hear the gospel as Jesus taught because they're willing to sit down and listen. And so when we give, we're participating in something bigger than ourselves. When you give your tithes to the church, when you give your offerings to missionaries, when you give to the Christmas thing or to the Hot Wheels project, you're not just taking care of yourself. You're giving to something bigger. You're participating in something way bigger. And we see that God has bigger plans than just simple provision. God's idea was always more than just Israel. He wanted to reach everyone with hope. That's why we're all sitting here, because they're willing. And God gave first. He gave Jesus, right? And God wants to bless others through us. He wants to reach others in our community through our giving. When you give tithes and offerings, you're not just paying the staff and paying the heat and taking care of the maintenance and the vehicles and all that. We're also, our church gives to the ministerial association every month. Our church participates in all these things, and it has been it's been nuts these last couple of weeks. We've helped so many people with hotel rooms. Uh, we just had a state trooper call us the other day when we were coming back. And he's like, hey, I got this couple. Their car broke down. They can't get it running. Can you help us out? So the Ministerial Association got them a couple nights in a hotel and helped them get going on the road. We've helped homeless, like all kinds of homeless. I mean, it's amazing 
that's through your giving. You guys are participating in something way bigger than yourselves. You're participating in something way bigger than just Calvary. Through that giving, you're reaching this community and sharing hope with them. And then we see that God challenges us to test him in this. You know how many times in the Bible God tells us to test him? It's the only one I can find. But look in Malachi chapter 3, verse 8. It says, should people cheat God? He's talking to the people of Israel. Yet you cheated me. Yes, well, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? You've cheated me of the tithes and offerings due to me. You're under a curse for your whole nation has been cheating me. But listen to what he says. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. There'll be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I'll pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Your crops will be abundant, for I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they're ripe, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Then all nations will call you blessed, for your land will be such a delight, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Have we seen this? Have we seen God take care of our needs? Absolutely. When you look at our nation that was founded on Christian principles, what do other nations around the world say? You guys are blessed, right? And when we put Jesus first as individuals, when we put Jesus first as a church family, when we put Jesus first as a network and as a denomination, God blesses us for that. And guys, I could tell you story after story after story of people who've seen God bless their finances because they put him first. I could tell you story after story about people's families being blessed because they put Jesus first in their family in all areas. And this is one area, like I said, we don't talk about this a whole lot because people are like, oh, you're just after my money. No, God's after your heart. But where does a heart usually reside? In your bank account, right? Because that's where we put so much time and so much effort. Well, so Martin Luther said, you have to convert a man's heart, then you have to convert a man's wallet, right? Um, you gotta, God's got to do that in us. But I just want you to think about it. So I was reading some different statistics Barna said that um, two out of five practicing Christians give the tithes. Two out of five. Just 21% of Christians set their church giving at 10% or more. Um, so under half of Christians actually give. But can you imagine what would happen if every Christian did give their tithes? Can you imagine how many missionaries we could fund? Imagine how many orphanages we could build overseas. You know how many, like, Curtises going into orphanages to tell the gospel in secular orphanages because we sent Hot Wheels over. I mean, who'd ever thought, right? But if we all give, if we're all faithful, there are so many things God can do through the church. So I'm going to ask the worship team to come up this morning. So if you're able, would you stand? <laughs> so we're working on being selfless in the new year. Selfless in our hearts saying, I want more Jesus and less me. Selfless in our service, putting Jesus first in the way that we serve others, and putting Jesus first in our finances so that God can not just provide for us, but so that God can bless others through us, because this is bigger than us. And so I'm not saying Calvary wants your money. I'm saying Jesus wants your heart. And to get to our hearts, sometimes he has to go through our finances when we put him first in those areas. So Lord, I just pray this morning that you would touch each and every one of us today. God, would you work in our hearts? Would you work in our pockets? God, would you work in what you're doing in us? Lord, as we put you first in every part of our lives, including our finances, Lord, I know that you bless us, and we trust you for that. So would you speak to us?
And if you're here this morning with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you say, you know, Pastor, I want to put Jesus first in my heart. I've never asked Jesus to forgive my sins. I've never really started following him. But I want to do that today. Would you just slip your hand up right where we're at? We want to pray with you this morning. If you're here this morning and say, you know, God is really challenging me on this generosity thing. God's working on my heart and, and he wants me to put him first in my giving, whether it's giving finances, whether it's giving time. Would you just slip your hand up? I, God's really working on me just to, to be generous. Yeah. Father, I just pray for all those who raised their hands today. God, would you help us to be generous, not just with our money, but with our time, with our hearts. Put you first in our families. But yeah, put you first in our finances as well, because I know it's a huge challenge for so many of us. And Lord, when we do, we know we'll see you bless us. We know that. Your word says it. We've seen it. So God, would you work through us? Don't just provide for us, but bless others through us. Today we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.